You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Squishy and squeezable squabbling squires. Welcome to Good Job Brain, your <laughs> weekly quiz show and offbeat trivia podcast. This is episode 26, and of course, I'm your humble host, Karen, and we are your practically praiseworthy prancing pranksters. Yeah. <laughs> I'm Colin. I'm Dana. And I'm Chris. Okay, so in my search for this week's alliteration, I found some super cool words that I want to share with everybody. Oh, yeah. So I had uh, I looked up uh, words that start with S Q U, so the squiff. Mm-hmm. So I found squiffy. Oh, what? S Q U I F F Y squiffy. I have one of those. I clean my floor with yeah, it. Yeah, it's like a cleaning. It's, it's really good. Yeah, Squiffer, squiffy yeah. wet jet, like a squeegee. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, squiffy means slightly drunk. Oh. oh, very handy. Uh, yeah, I know. And I also have squamation or squamation. Squamation. Mm. Okay. Is, it, is it animation that using squares. squabs? <laughs> I wish. It's a, you, an, you know, you pose the squab. Yeah. Stop, motion, picture, stop motion. Yeah. Bird squab, animation. Squab sure. motion. Yeah. The, yeah. Squab, the lost it's, art. The lost it's art. Uh, <laughs> it's catchier than pigeon so, motion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It is uh, the arrangement of scales on an animal. Do you guys know what prat means? Prat. Like a like person? Prat. Yeah. Yeah, like a uh, prat fall. It, doesn't it just like mean like your butt, right? A prat yes, fall. it does. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really? Butt. Yeah, a prat fall is you fall on your butt. Yeah. Okay. So a prat is a butt? The butt talks. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Well, they huh. call people prat, but I guess that was like... You're being a butt. You're a butt. You're being a butt. You're a butthead. Well, that's great. Okay. And yes, today's episode is show number 26. And, and guys, what's special about that, Taryn? It's our half birthday! Hard to believe we've been doing this for six months now. It is indeed. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Time flies. And uh, we sure covered a lot of information so far. Tons. So I want to ask you guys, what are some of you guys' favorite facts you learned from the show? I think one of my favorite facts goes all the way back to the very first episode. I think it was something that Chris was talking about with the, uh, the beer purity laws, that right. since those laws predated mm-hmm. how they really understood how fermentation worked, <laughs> yes. they didn't include yeast originally, right. and that they right. had to go back and amend the laws. Went, oh, this is what actually causes Science. it. Science! Yeah, we need to update right. the purity laws. I, that the was only a... thing you can put in beer is beer. <laughs> right. That was, I like that one. Yeah. That was a good one. That stuck with me. I just like the, the word scrump now, so I want to thank Dana for that. Oh, sure. <laughs> I, I use it. I, I try to use it as much as possible. Scrump <laughs> is a very good word. Relatedly, one of my favorite things is the word snarge that Dana also <laughs> shared <laughs> uh, back in episode four in our words show. And I, I just can't believe that there's like a proper word to describe the smeared residue of dead bird parts. <laughs> Hitting an airplane. <laughs> Hitting after, yeah, specifically, specifically. after a right. bird plane collision, however that might work. My favorite, Chris described the Rachel haircut. Still, it makes me laugh when I just think about it, that it was a <laughs> like a, a helmet. Space helmet. helmet. It was space a space helmet, helmet with, with tiny dreadlocks. With tiny with dreadlocks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is the Rachel. Which, again, <laughs> I think if you go back and look, you will see that it was a You're totally correct. My favorite part is that, is that he stands by it. Yeah, he's adamant. <laughs> adamant. <laughs> oh, man. And I also threw it out there to our listeners asking them what was their favorite facts and uh people really liked our facts about cereal yeah brian ernesto and jeremy liked all the kellogg stuff crunch mouth crunch mouth <laughs> captain crunch's full name yes uh neville fogarty wrote in and said that our central american mnemonic was very very handy which is a baby godzilla eats, eats hot, hot dogs, dogs not, not cocoa puffs, cocoa puffs. <laughs> and then of course 
hands down, hands down. Uh, I, have, I have a couple people here, but there are many more. Emma, Marianne, and Kate. And many more say that by far, of course, anal beaver juice oh. <laughs> or castorium, castorium is uh, the one right. that they'll always remember. Yeah. Right, right. The Hands fluid down. obtained from beaver anal glands. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. And uh, we just want to thank you guys, the, the listeners and our original Kickstarter backers for making Good Job Brain happen. We're so happy that we get to share all of these uh, weird facts with, with the world. All right. And to celebrate our half birthday, I actually have a very special pop quiz hotshot. Get your buzzers ready. I have here cards from the first genus Trivial Pursuit. Here we go. Blue for geography. What country is Ulan Batar the capital of? Uh, that was Mongolia? Correct. Very good. And uh, pink for entertainment. What march did Felix Mendelssohn compose? Um, What march? March. I know we're going to feel dumb when we hear it. It is the wedding march. Oh, Oh, Mendelssohn's wedding march. Of of course. Okay. So now you know. Yes. All right. Yellow for history. What former movie star's children are Prince Albert and Princess Caroline? Dana. Uh, Grace Kelly? Correct. Uh, Grace Kelly. All right. And this is arts and literature, which is a brownish tint. Um, (laughs) It's a brownish hue. What British officer's autobiography is titled Seven Pillars of Wisdom? Officer. It makes me not not like Churchill or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. Uh, Pass. It is T.E. Lawrence. Oh. oh. Lawrence of Arabia. Lawrence of Arabia. All right. Green for science and nature. What's the world's largest and heaviest mammal? Is it the blue whale? Correct. It oh. is the blue whale. Yes. yes. All right. Last question. Uh, I guess this is a sports Orange. Sports and leisure. Sports and leisure, because this is obviously not a sports question. <laughs> what color is Manhattan style clam chowder? <laughs> Chris Collar. Red. Yeah. yeah, got one. Wow, they're really oh. stretching to fit that into sports and leisure. I mean, <laughs> it's even a, leisure, yeah. you know. Well, I mean, the gentlemanly eating. art of chowder eating. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or cooking. Job, everybody. No Good one job really brings. knows that, do they? Like, I grew up in New England, and I mean, we. You, I mean, typically you'd go to a restaurant and they usually have New England clam chowder, but then also, like, you know, typically you could also get Manhattan clam yeah, chowder. Yeah, I think people know that. Yeah. I remember, mm-hmm. like, even in growing up in L.A., they would, mm-hmm. you would specify either, like, Boston or Manhattan or right. New England and Manhattan. And then there's yeah. – what is uh, what is the clear broth? Is that Rhode Island clam chowder? Or what Whoa! Is clear clam what? Chowder? That's the one I don't know. Like, uh, you know it's I because, know. like, historically they were so poor they couldn't afford color for this soup. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The bigger states had the, yeah. the color. The, now I'm going to look this up. Yes, you are actually right. There is Rhode Island style okay. clam chowder. Huh. Mm-hmm. It has a clear broth. Yep. This is going to be the worst segue, but uh, <laughs> it's our half birthday, and it's kind of a milestone, uh, a landmark, <laughs> if you will. I quit. I, I didn't think it was so bad until you called attention to it. <laughs> you, you made me start questioning it. And our topic of the week is on world landmarks. Well, she sneaks around the world from Kiev to Carolina. She's a sticky finger filter from Berlin down to 
They'll take you for a ride on a slow boat to China. Tell me where in the world is Berlin, San Diego. So get out your magnifying glass and your warrants, super sleuths, because we're going to get Carmen San Diego up in here. And of course, for the youngins who don't know who Carmen San Diego is. Carmen San Diego is a video game series, uh, an edutainment game that tasks children with uh, determining uh, what country Carmen San Diego and her group of thieves had stolen some piece of loot away to. Right. And right. Uh, given clues about that country, you would have to go to different countries, learn geographical facts about those countries. Countries and ultimately catch the crook. It was like a geo yeah. quiz in yeah. the guise of a game. Yeah. Indeed. Uh, the video game was then spun off into a very popular PBS television show, which introduced the world not only to games for game shows for kids that were about smarts, but also the amazing acapella singing group Rockapella. Rockapella! <laughs> uh, the theme song, Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego? Yay! Yeah. And also, it's just really well written. It's very punny. It's funny. It, you don't feel like you're reading textbooks, you know, when right. you're, when you're right. either playing or watching mm. the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here, just to kind of go into the Wayback Machine, I have some classic examples. I want to do a quick Carmen Sandiego quiz. And so in the game, you get to go to different countries and try to catch her. And so there's some clues in, to the places that she goes to. So I'm going to tell you the sites that's listed in the game, in the original PC game, okay. Where in the World mm-hmm. is Carmen Sandiego. I'm going to read out some of the sites and the landmarks, and you have to tell me, buzz in, if you know the country. Okay. Okay. Can we buzz in as soon as? Yes. Okay. 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 Here are the sites. The Sahara, the Niger River, and ancient Timbuktu. Um, is, is it Ethiopia? No, Mm. it is Mali. Mali. Yes. Yes. Big African empire back in the days. Timbuktu. Timbuktu. Okay. Here are the sites. The fjords. Colin. Norway. Correct. <laughs> the other site is uh, the Barents Sea. Ah. Here are the sites. One of the world's largest ports, the Raffles Hotel. Sing- Singapore? Correct. Singapore. Oh. Huh. And the last one, the Danube and Magyar Art. Austria? Incorrect. Oh. Is it Hungary? Correct. Hungary. Oh. Very good. And of very course, uh, I also looked up some of the, the villains all have very funny names. Some of my favorites are Yule Be Sorry, <laughs> Robin Banks, nice, Sam Onella, <laughs> and my favorite, Bessie May Mucho. <laughs> oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good. That yeah. is pretty good. My favorite from the show was Patty Larceny. Long, long ago in the pre-Good Job Brain days, Karen and I came across a Sega Genesis copy of Where the World is Carmen Sandiego. And we popped this thing in and we're like, oh, we don't have the almanac, you know? You need the almanac to play. You have to look stuff up. And we turn the game on and it's just like, sleuths, the crook went to a country where you can get sushi. Where did he go? You're like, oh, wait, we don't need an almanac. We have an average adult level of knowledge. Totally, totally forgot that I wasn't eight. I think I think they made it easier. It was really hard. It was the hard. First round. All right. Well, so speaking about trivia questions and geography, uh, let, let me pose a question to you guys here. If I asked you, what what is the only man-made structure visible from space? 
Oh, what would you say, Chris? It's the Great Wall of China. Great Wall of China. All right. Well, that, that's definitely. Well, that's a, what's believed. That's the answer I was looking for. Okay. Oh. Indeed, okay. indeed. That is a uh, a question that even now I, you still hear a lot in various kind of trivia forms. And Karen, I think you were you were about to get to the point, which is it is in fact false. It is really? not the only man made structure that you can see from space. And so some people have said, oh well, it's it's the only man made structure that you can see from the moon. And this is also demonstrably false. It, you can't you can't see that level of detail from the moon either you're either close enough to see it you can also see other things like road, like roads and highways and railroads oh, and if sense. you zoom out far enough everything goes away so yeah there is nothing yeah. special about the great wall of china and this is one that i always remember hearing as a kid or yeah. on various it's trivia so forums. big that yeah and, exactly. yeah it's the only structure visible and no one's exactly sure you know i did a little bit of digging into this no one's really sure where this started um but it goes back to the early days of the space program as well but you know great astronauts in including the late, great Neil Armstrong, uh, who just passed away uh, this week, um, mm-hmm. and Alan Bean and others, they're all on record as saying, no, it, you cannot see it from space at a resolution where you can't see other things. That's one of those things where we talk about, you know, when you're asked a question in pub quiz, do you give what you know to be the right answer, or do you give the answer of what they're looking for? Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I don't have any advice for you on, the, <laughs> on that, dear listener, one way or the other, but it is not, in fact, uh, the only stru- man-made structure visible from space. Can you see any man-made structure from space? Well, you can. I mean, up to a certain point. Before you get to a distance of the moon, you can see railroads and highways. And, you know, really the clue they say is things that are very long and straight, you know, and they talk about the Gemini 5 astronauts, actually, they set up a checkerboard pattern for them in Texas, like a giant checkerboard to sort of test and see, like, hey, can you guys see this from space? And Mm -hmm. and they could. And they, you know, they reported, actually, they saw a lot of things. They they also saw an aircraft carrier out in the Atlantic, you know, the one that, in fact, later was the one that was going to go pick them up. Now, that's not to take away from the Great Wall. It is still the longest man-made structure on hmm. on Earth. I think we had this question in pub quiz. Do you guys know what percentage is still standing? Oh, oh right. some small percentage. It was like, it was, it's like or something. 10%. It's, it's 8%. Yeah. yeah. Oh. This five-year study it just ended. They they estimate 8% of it is still remains of uh, the original life. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah. It is actually pretty So it's like amazing. so much bigger. It is highly, highly incredible and amazing, but it is not the only man-made thing you can see from space. <laughs> actually, I read there is something man-made that you can see from space. Is this a pickup line? (laughs) (laughs) Yo, baby. Um, So, I love Las Vegas and I was reading about the different structures in Las Vegas and so there is the Luxor Resort. The the one that's shaped like a giant black pyramid Uh and at the very top it has like the obelisk light. Right. And on a clear day when they turn all the lights on and you see the light beam you can see that beam from space. Oh, that's that's really cool. That's cool. I so do. I, I also. I do also man-made. love Las Vegas, yes. and that is one of my favorite uh, features. There is that beam shining up into the night sky. Yeah. Super bright. Uh, so speaking of pyramids, I was going to talk about the Great Pyramid of Giza, oh, yeah. the OG pyramid, the OG pyramid. <laughs> First, I have a question for you guys. Uh, what's a ten-letter word for a large, elaborate cemetery in an ancient city? Uh, mausoleum. mausoleum? No. Uh, <laughs> large, elaborate ancient city. Large, elaborate cemetery in an ancient city. Yeah. Sarcophagus? No. no, that's like a coffin. Yeah. I'm just trying to think oh, of it's like necropolis. Yes. A city of the dead. Yes. yes, it means city of the dead in Greek. So this was the city of the dead for one of the pharaohs. Do you know which pharaoh? He comes up in video games sometimes and TV uh, was shows. Was it Ramses? Ramses II? No. Mm. 
was Khufu. Oh, right, right. Yeah, he was in Tomb Raider. That's how we learn <laughs> our geography. He was, he was also a real person, Dana. Oh, yeah. yes. All right, sure. He was an Egyptian pharaoh. <laughs> yes, yes, he was that too. I, I've heard of the seven wonders of the ancient world before. It comes up a lot. Do you do you oh, guys yeah. know what the seven wonders of the ancient uh, world are? At various times, I've memorized okay, all so seven. Pyramids. Yeah. Yes, pyramids, that's one right. of them. Um, uh, hanging Gardens of Babylon. Yep. The Colossus uh, of Rhodes. The Colossus of Rhodes. The uh, Mausoleum of Halicarnassus. The libraries at Alexandria. At the lighthouse. The, the lighthouse, lighthouse at Alexandria. How many is that? Four. That's what only are... four? No, we did more than Wait, four. Wait, five. I don't know. Did you say Temple of Artemis of uh, the Faces? No, didn't say that. And Statue of Zeus <laughs> at Olympia? Ah, uh, oh. no. Oh. Okay. Okay. All right. So what do those six, except for the pyramids, have in common? They're all in the Greek that, area. Then none of them exist anymore. None of them exist anymore. Oh. The only one that's left is the pyramid. Huh. And the pyramid was around about 2,000 years before any of those were built. Yeah. And it still exists today. It's a testament to a good yeah. construction. Right. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting that I, a lot of these, they only have suggested drawings or artist's yeah. conceptions right, of right, them. Right, you yeah, know, yeah. It's, it's, here's what it might have looked like. We <laughs> no don't really knows. know. Yeah. The Hanging Gardens of Babylon. There's controversy about whether that one actually existed. And I think I also remember reading about the Colossus of Rhodes, like they they, yeah. they weren't really sure how big and giant this thing actually was. Right there in the drawings, they're all it's huge. Well, I remember reading some. There were some translations about the Colossus of Rhodes stood astride the harbor, and so some drawings literally had him standing with one leg on either side yes, of the harbor, yes. giant. And yeah. but then they talk about, I mean, the amount of engineering and just raw resources required to sure. build that yep. would yeah. just be so daunting. Maybe. I've also read that maybe it just meant he was standing on one side of the harbor, yes. but that they're not really sure. Could be they some were crafty. <laughs> Two thousand years before that, the pyramid existed. It's true. It's true. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart-topping Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week. Movies, music, even science and Disney. We've got something for every trivia buff in the car. No more crickets chirping on those long journeys. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages, teens, toddlers, adults, it doesn't matter. Spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode. New episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. All right. And last week we had a question about the eBay logo. Yes. So I have developed two mnemonics to help you guys memorize the colors of the eBay logo. <laughs> right. And the colors of the Google logo. Cool. <laughs> so the eBay logo, E-B-A-Y, E is red, uh -huh. B is blue, A is yellow, and Y is green. Red, so, blue, yellow, green. Yes. Mm -hmm. So R, B, Y, G. So the mnemonic I have is 
What's eBay for? eBay is for reselling and buying your garbage. (laughs) 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 R-B-Y-G. Affectionately. Affectionately. If it's home, Chris. It does. Reselling and buying buying your your garbage. garbage. Well, I won't forget that. Red, blue, yellow, and (laughs) green. And for Google, more letters here, the colors in order for the Google logos. Blue, red, yellow, Blue, green, red. So that's B R Y B G R. So what is, you know, what's your number one advice on Google? Bosses read your bad Google results. <laughs> Bosses read your bad Google results. Blue, red, yellow, blue, green, red. So there nice. you go. Actually, this comes up in trivia all the time. More than oh, more yeah. than I would have thought, certainly. Yeah. Like, what color is the B in eBay? You're like, oh, yeah. God. Well, especially yeah. Google, you stare at it every day, yeah. you know? And, yeah. And uh, I have actually a, a quick little pro tip with Google. So you know how if you go to the Google main page, they have, like, the, the, the search field and then search, mm-hmm. and then yeah. next to the search button, there's the I'm feeling lucky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these days, if you hover over the I'm feeling lucky button, it changes. Instead of I'm feeling lucky, it hovers into I'm feeling puzzled. And if you click on it, Google has a trivia question every day if you click oh. on that. And Whoa. it shows up and it asks you a trivia question and it gives you a hint and you can go Google search and find the answer and can submit your answer. I was cool. just reading, in fact, yesterday that they're doing a lot of experimentation with that because when they introduced autocomplete, you know, not so long ago, it really took away a lot of the need for the I'm feeling lucky functionality so that it is basically going to go away. It's mm-hmm. going to go away. And they were talking about a lot of things they're replacing it with, with the Easter eggs and some of the Google Labs products. So there may be even other things out there aside from the trivia. Yeah, there. Are, there's also I'm feeling hungry if you hover it again and it takes you to like, you know, restaurant results near your neighborhood. So let's check it out. There are so many different like cool easter eggs in that i'm feeling lucky button all right quick question where is the currently tallest man-made structure right now oh Oh. dubai correct yes Yes. big old building right yep burj khalifa 829 meters and a little bit more and it took over from kuala lumpur is that right do i still have it actually so that that's the thing with these tallest structure things there's a lot of i would say controversy it's like oh do you count radio towers spires and antennas and skyscrapers so it took over i think the last tallest skyscraper is taipei 101 okay as of as of right now it is Dubai's Burj Khalifa, which is a skyscraper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good job. Uh, well, I think that's actually a really good transition to what I wanted to talk about, which is the building, in, which in its day was the tallest building in the world, which is the Eiffel Tower. Doesn't that count Paris. as a building? Sure, it's mm-hmm. a building. You yeah. could go up to the top. It was in it was in use for a lot of different things. Absolutely, it was the tallest structure in the world until uh, 1930 when they built uh, the Chrysler the Chrysler Building oh. in New York. Yeah, yeah. You know, the pyramid was the tallest building for about 3,000 years. Yeah, I don't think that anything will break the record of longevity that the pyramids held yeah right. gustav eiffel actually compared the tower to the pyramids uh, in the early days of you know trying to build glory for paris yeah. the same way that the pyramids built glory for mm-hmm. uh, egypt as we well put a so... lot of dead bodies <laughs> 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 that's the little known little known fact about yeah, it. yeah all the dead bodies uh, no, no there are no dead bodies in the eiffel that's tower that's why it smells that like that we know of. Um, <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> secret yeah. dead bodies it was built for the 1889 universal exposition in paris and also coincided with the 100 year anniversary 
the French Revolution. Yep. So it was very symbolic and had a lot of meaning to both the people building it and to Parisians at the time. It was not supposed to be permanent, right? It, right. It was not, in fact, supposed oh. to be permanent. Just uh, for show at that time. Well, it was originally one of the conditions of it being built was it was built for the exposition. It was intended to be something that could be disassembled at the latest after the end of its 20-year lease that it had on the property. Oh. So one of the reasons that it is such a, a lightweight latticework structure is mm. that Eiffel's firm, which was who was contracted to build the tower, wanted it to be something that could be disassemblable when it had to be, if it had to be. So obviously, as it uh, turns out, they didn't disassemble it Good. 20 years but later. But we still can. We could if we had to. <laughs> you know, it, one of the main reasons, in fact, that the city and the government decided not to take it apart was that it had become such a valuable communications tower and still is. Oh, it's useful. Absolutely. It was useful almost from the very beginning as radio transmission tower and as late as even last year, analog television transmission. So during both wars, of course, it had a lot of value. I mm. mean, it was... it was Not just yeah. a pretty face. It's a giant, you know, structure right in the middle of the city. So it's a great radio tower. Yeah. Like a lot of other things that we've talked about in the show, when it first debuted, there was a lot of criticism for it. Like other things that have become iconic, you know, a lot of prominent Parisians were worried it was going to overshadow, partly literally, but metaphorically, you know, overshadow all these other great historical buildings in Paris. It was too modern and too weird. And wow. Yeah, people, that's so weird to think was, like that It now. was called variously uh, a metal asparagus. Um, <laughs> someone called it a suppository oh. of the city. Um, there was some harsh criticism of it at first, yep. you know, and it is funny to look back at it now. It is the iconic building of Paris and uh, one of the iconic landmarks of the world. Take that. In looking into the history of it, I found out some interesting things about the color of the Eiffel Tower. So it, when it, it is black, it's no, it actually the official color of it today is bronze. The, the yeah. operators of the tower call it bronze. Hmm. When it first debuted, Gustave Eiffel had it painted red. It's been reds, it's been goldens and mustard yellows over the years. It's been a lot of different colors, and in fact, they're very open to changing the color. And if you go to mm. visit the tower, they have a section there, actually, that shows with corresponding stripes all the colors that it's been painted, wow. which is really neat. If you do a little bit of Googling on the internet, you can probably find it. It's a really neat uh, picture a to see. pink one. The red... <laughs> well, hey, you know, go spam the, 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 vote, the ballot <laughs> box France. with your votes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Here's something really interesting. It is actually painted in three slightly different shades of the base color. Hmm. It's painted in stripes from dark to light. So the bottom third is darker, the middle third is a light, slightly lighter, and the top third is even lighter to sort of reinforce the feeling of height when oh, you're standing sure. there. Mm, to perspective. really exactly to play with your your perception and make it feel really tall and imposing. Oh, it's a uh, trick. Still not just a valuable icon, but still still in use as a communications tower. The metal asparagus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So obviously we're on the same wavelength here, Colin. Because when I started thinking about this, I started thinking about another. Uh, uh, famous landmark that uh, Gustav Eiffel had a hand in, which of course was the Statue of Liberty. Sure. Oh, um, I didn't know that. Yeah, Eiffel actually built the inner metal structure of the Statue of Liberty. Huh. Right, right, yeah. right. His firm, I mean, yeah, being a yeah, specialty in, well, I in knew the metal work. Yeah. Statue of yep. Liberty was, it had a French origin, right. but yes. I had yeah. no idea. Yeah, it was, the idea was um, that it was going to be made by the French and given to America to sort of celebrate the special relationship that they had 
that because, of course, you know, France, you know, won its independence essentially from the monarchy. You know, it, it was very inspired by the American Revolution, you know. And so they wanted to essentially Aww. give this gift. It Clearly, French-U.S. relations were a lot better at the time than they are now. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, they wanted to make this this gift. So it was actually called the official name of the statue is La Liberté Éclairant du Monde, which, of course, means liberty holding an eclair and a muffin. <laughs> which, in, in the world. Yeah, and, yeah. little known fact, that's what she's holding. Yeah. yeah, you can't see it from the ground. Yeah. No, it means liberty enlightening the world. Yes, um, and so yes. that's the actual name of the statue. She is a colossus, the designation, mm -hmm. a colossal She likes to be called a full-figured woman. <laughs> 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 and again, this keeps coming up. She has a torch in her right hand, oh. and she has in her left hand a tablet. It yes. is not a book. So right hand is the torch, torch, torch. Yeah. and the left hand is the tablet. So it's like in her fighting hand, the torch, so she could stab Oh, yeah. yes. The it's main hand, hand is, yeah. is the right torch hand. hand. It's yeah. in her torch, her hand. torch right. hand. Right, right. Yeah. And actually, one of the metaphorical things about the, the sculpture that people don't typically notice or know about is that there's actually broken chains around her feet, mm -hmm. and she's stepping out of bondage. I'm you know, stepping out. <laughs> I want the broken world chains. Yeah. <laughs> the sculptor's name was uh, Bartholdi. Frederick August Bartholdi was the name of the sculptor and it was kind of like you know we kind of like had this idea and it, it took years upon years essentially to uh, obviously to kind of like get everybody on board to do this right um and get and all the funding in place yeah so basically what happened was uh france funded the statue mm -hmm. and the United States had to fund the pedestal. Huh. And so the so the island was called Bedloe's Island. It had a it had a fort on it called Fort Wood. And it was that that, that actually forms the bottom part of the pedestal, that sort of star shaped building. Right. Mm -hmm. That was a working defensive fort. Do you know what the Statue of Liberty is made out of? It's copper. Uh, copper it is right? copper. Yeah. Yep. So they decided to make it out of copper. You could make it in Paris and then ship it to the United States because it'd be very light considering right. its right. volume. And very forgiving, yeah, to the yeah. process of yeah, yeah, right. actually, and really, um, uh, Eiffel's uh, contributions have kept the statue up. I think they were originally considering like a masonry, you know, kind of body inside, but he was like, no, you know, he, he built this sort of like the skeleton with an armature, and yeah. the armature, it basically, it could it could rock back and forth. Mm -hmm. It was a little it's bit flexible. Loose. Right. Yeah. Interestingly enough, you know, very much like the Eiffel Tower, public opinion about the Statue of Liberty was not, they were, not, everybody was not exactly on board with this. I mean, a lot of the sentiment in the United we States don't like was... Change. Well, you know what it was? It was like, wait, we have to pay how much for this pedestal? Oh, gee, thanks for your quote-unquote gift. Unquote gift, <laughs> gift. <laughs> this gift that we have to pay a lot of money for. Um, and politicians were not actually able to raise the money via, you know, just, just fe federal funds. Like, they were vetoing bills that would have paid for the pedestal. And what ended up happening was Joseph Pulitzer, mm. the newspaper oh. publisher, he had to do this whole campaign to get people to, like, come on, donate money. And they, they were really targeting not only just, like, you know, people with extra money, but everybody. It was this whole big thing where it's like orphans, homeless people, don't eat. Give us your like two pennies that you found. It was like they were very telling, populist, and yeah. he was very yellow journalism, like telling all these stories in the paper about like, oh, this little girl gave. She only had sixty cents, and she gave it all for the pedestal. <laughs> getting kids in school to donate money for the oh, pedestal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They started making it in pieces. Yeah. And as some of the pieces were completed, they actually started sending them, you know, to the U.S. for different exhibitions because they they wanted to do this for the centennial of the United States. But it wasn't able to be done in time. So in 1876, for the actual centennial year, they had a centennial exhibition. And the hand holding the torch was done. 
And so they just sent the handhold. There's photographs. Yeah, there's like, yeah, yeah. There's like photographs. Those photographs. But that's so cool. Just that's very hand. symbolic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it is a thing to be proud of for, for both nations. Or yeah. Nations. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So another really interesting thing that I found out about. So first of all, the unveiling, which was in 1886. It was a big old party. Like once it was actually <laughs> done, people were like, oh, okay. Now the statue had been in America in pieces for months upon months upon months while they were working on the pedestal. And so then finally put it all together and may I do a reading from an article from the New York Times, October 29th, 1886. All of this display was an inspiration to so many imps of office boys who, from a hundred windows, began to unreal the spools of tape that record the fateful messages of the ticker, quote-unquote. In a moment, the air was white with curling streamers. This was altogether too much fun, and the office boys had to give way to their elders. More and more of the tape went skimming through the air. It was dangled in the faces of solemn horsemen. It was jiggled tantalizingly just out of the reach of the college youth. And the pretty country cousins were tickled under the chin with carefully directed points until they screamed in feminine alarm. Yikes. So, Whoa. is that the first ticker tape parade? It is. is that what you're alluding the to? First ticker tape parade arose totally spontaneously when a procession was going through town to herald the opening of the Statue That's of Liberty. Great. And oh, Wall Street great. Wall That's Street great. stock boys just started throwing the tape out and then everybody started doing it. Nice. Yep. That's where it came from. Also, that passage was made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. I know, <laughs> weird. Yeah. I was a huge Statue of Liberty nerd when I was a kid for some reason. So the restoration was being done when I was four or five years old in like 84, 85. And there was a lot of Statue of Liberty mania going was, on because that. it was yeah. the centennial and they were going to reopen it with all the restorations and i started collecting stuff and so i have like a whole mess of statue of liberty collectibles like anything with statue of liberty on it i would collect and i have like a <laughs> bunch of like statue of liberty tchotchkes wow yeah I did not know that the about first you. time the first time we went um it was under it was under reconstruction so i must have been either four or five years old because we were in new york city and all we could do was drive up to battery park which is near there uh, and look at we you could see the statue from far away and the and i just remember the scaffolding and sheets covering the whole thing you kind of see the torch popping out of the top and it was like that statue of liberty i was like oh but i knew like i knew use your imagination like i Chris. knew i knew what i was gonna see this figure of a human that's that's so monstrously tall and all of the things that it represents and where it came from and its odd history I agree. yeah clearly i like it a lot because i brought a lot of statue of liberty yeah. facts to the table you look fantastic in the green crown too oh, oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. i'm not wearing underwear under this robe okay my turn and of course everyone here knows that i am a big disney nut yes i go to disneyland in southern california (laughs) i go to disney world Mm -hmm. in orlando you go there constantly every year more than one i even run marathons there and and so other than the kind of iconic fairy tale castle disney world's epcot center is probably one of the most iconic landmarks what i really mean is that giant sphere that silver golf ball that Golf ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Epcot, the center, it's Epcot Center. It's actually the theme park where the giant ball lives. As many know, uh, Disney World, unlike Disneyland, is a giant resort made up of several theme parks, separate theme parks. They have a lot more space. And Epcot is the educational Mm. theme park. It's like themed with with education. And they have a lot of showcases and rides focused on like future technologies. Before Epcot Center was a theme park, Walt Disney actually had a really grand and ambitious 
and maybe a little bit nutty uh, plan for Epcot. Do you guys know what Epcot means? I was waiting for you to get to it because okay. I don't know. So Epcot is an acronym and it stands for Experimental Prototype Community of Tomorrow. Oh, so it was a it was like, like a, a model community. It was Walt Disney's Rapture. Yes. It was like oh no. It was Disney's original vision. Walt Disney's original vision of Epcot was for a model community, oh, like dear. a city, right? A city with like twenty thousand residents, and it would be like a test bed for a lot of different urban planning. Well, I always associate Epcot with futurism. And, yep, yeah. yep, mm. utopian. And he really wanted to. To design and run a city in Orlando, Florida, with all you know, all his other parts. Of course he did. Of course yeah, he did. That makes sense. Uh, of course, it was never fully realized because Walt Disney died before Disney World actually, you know, officially opened. So, what about the iconic golf ball? Like, what is it? Do you guys know what it is? And if the answer isn't a big golf ball, <laughs> I have nothing yeah. to add. So, I, yeah, I don't know. It's a ride. Uh, There's a ride but- inside the golf ball. So, oh. so Epcot Center is the theme park. The the golf ball is actually called spaceship earth and oh yeah it's, okay it, it's it's a ride that you go and it goes kind of like a statue of liberty on the inside you go around the uh, internal and then you come down like space mountain at disneyland uh, it's more like a educational people mover it's okay, very slow okay, it's okay. like a it's a 13 okay. minute ride perfect for like those hot days in orlando yep. you're like i just need some air conditioning you okay. go on this ride and you take a take so a nap. it's like small world where it's like parents get to take a break basically so it's just a ride in there That's it is the just thing. a ride okay. it's a 13 minute people mover ride detailing the the history of human communication with animatronics. So it's boring. Like it I'm scary. <laughs> it sounds like a nightmare. I'm not gonna lie. To I'm not gonna lie. It's boring. Uh, human interaction with animatronics. Like that sounds like nightmare town. <laughs> yeah. You're stuck in a ball with yeah, these robots for 13 minutes. They just talk to you in this hey, dark. Karen, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> so the big ball. It's called a, a geodesic structure or geodesic sphere Mm -hmm. and it's made out of the outer surface is made of a bunch of triangles kind of like the eiffel tower there is a trick there is a structural trick so when you look at it you're like oh they made a big ball and then it sits on three three legs right big ball with three legs jutting out as support Mm -hmm. the whole thing is actually not a sphere it is made up of two separate domes so there's the proper big dome and it starts where the legs jut out to the very top so kind of your normal standard upright dome. And then the bottom part is actually hung from the legs. Huh. So it's not uh-huh. they're not built together. They're uh-huh. two separate. Uh, one I is see. right side up and one is upside down. Like two and salad it, bowls. Yep. Okay. The two salad bowls and one it one is hung from the bottom. Interesting. And the yeah. skin of the golf ball is actually structurally designed that so when it rains, no water pours off the side onto the ground. Uh. All the water is uh, collected from the gaps of the little triangles ah. on the skin. And then they use that water. They channel that water into, like, the lagoons in the park. They use the rainwater to power the scary robots. <laughs> <laughs> they rust. The jaw falls off. <laughs> oh, man. That is a... Their eyes follow you, though. Right, right. Follow Wait, you talking about the calculator. <laughs> <laughs> that is my new nightmare. I'll see you in your dreams. <laughs> hey, Matt. Did you know that wombats poop cubes? Nope, never heard that before. Did you know the unicorn is the national animal of Scotland, Ken? I didn't know, nor do I care. Neil, did you know that Liechtenstein is the only doubly landlocked country in Europe? Jeff, isn't that an American pop artist? Well, actually, it's both. 
If you want to learn things like that and more, join us each week on Triviality, a pub trivia-style game show podcast where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. Listen in each week to answer general knowledge trivia alongside exciting guests from around the world. And we're here, too. Join us every Tuesday for new hour-long episodes of Triviality, plus tons of extra theme content on everything from The Office and Lord of the Rings to science and geography. And sometimes we even do sports. Find us on all your preferred podcast apps and take part in the fun of playing bar trivia without the need to wear pants. Real mature, Jeff. Forget it, Neil. It's Triviality. So we talked about a lot of landmarks, and we have, to close the show, a listener challenge, our half-birthday listener challenge. It's a riddle slash puzzle I came up with, and hopefully it's challenging enough, and it kind of fits with this week's landmark theme, too. And since it's our half-birthday, we're going to up our usual listener challenge prize this time. So earlier, we mentioned some of our favorite and most memorable facts featured in our show so in addition to our usual mini swag pack of Good Job Brain stickers and trivia cards, we're also giving away a special custom Good Job Brain woodblock print oh, yeah. made by yours truly, featuring two of our favorite things, <laughs> cereal and beaver. <laughs> it's very cute. It is really cute. It's, it's our Castorios uh, uh. woodblock print, and we're giving away these limited edition prints to some of those who send in the right answer for this listener challenge. And here is the puzzle. Hello, hello, where are you? If you're dialing only the blue from Irving Morrow's Baby's Hue. And here it is again. Hello, hello, where are you? If you're dialing only the blue from Irving Morrow's Baby's Hue. So you have a week to email us uh, what you think the answer is at gjb.podcast at gmail.com. And the deadline is September 3rd. And you just might win a very fancy special edition of a Good Job Brain prize pack. Indeed. So our half birthday listener challenge. So get to it. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that is our show. Thank you guys for joining me. And thank you guys, listeners, for listening in. Hope you learned uh, a lot about different landmarks and and (laughs) Karen's nightmare uh, of Uh being stuck in the Epcot Center with robots. (laughs) And you can find us on Zoom Marketplace, on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on our website, which is www.goodjobbrain.com. Check out our sponsors, Bonobos, at B-O-N-O-B-O-S.com. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. See you next crime. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.